Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Got a lot to unload here today. The Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security has endangered this nation, this nation, like few secretaries. He lies about the border being secure. He lies about the stats. He's doing all the dirty work for. Joe Biden, Susan Rice, Ron Klain, and all the other reprobates who he has surrounded himself with. Now, you remember those, those horseback agents, these gentlemen who were on horseback, Border Patrol, trying to prevent Haitian illegal aliens from coming into the country. Remember how the media focused on this for days to project a narrative about how racist America is? You remember Joe Biden and Kamala Harris going to, as quickly as they could, the closest TV cameras to talk about how this looked horrific, racist, conjured up images of slavery, And how Joe Biden said he was going to get to the bottom of this and these men would pay. And a relative handful of us, as usual, who stood up and said, "Uh, shouldn't we get the facts here? And then the photographer comes out and says, actually, these men didn't whip anybody. But it didn't seem to matter. It didn't seem to matter. So there's now a Fox exclusive that will be ignored by every other cable channel and the network news and the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost, Bill Malusian, Adam Shaw, 
Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was told that the photographer who captured a clash between Border Patrol agents and Haitian migrants in Del Rio had said that the incident was being misconstrued. Hours before, Mayorkas joined a White House press conference where he didn't challenge the false narrative. In other words, they they called a press event immediately, called together a press event, and got this guy up as fast as they could in front of the media to attack these men. Because by attacking these men, they're attacking Border Patrol and ICE, and they're attacking America. And that, of course, is what Joe Biden and the Democrats do. They hate the country. Even though they live off of it, they hate it. The September 24, 2021 email obtained by the Heritage Foundation via Freedom of Information Act request shines light on the internal deliberations surrounding the controversy in Del Rio, Texas, where Democrats in the White House pushed a narrative that migrants had been whipped or strapped by Border Patrol agents, despite its being quickly debunked. In fact, agents were using split reins to control their horses as migrants rushed across the river. But a narrative based on a misinterpretation of photographs was running and on September 24 was further fueled by Joe Biden. And Biden said to see people treated like they did, horses barely running over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. He told reporters, making a whipping motion with his hand, I promise you those people will pay. There will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. Well, there was an investigation that found they didn't do anything wrong. So they had to find some bureaucratic red tape, something or other, that they didn't follow some process having nothing to do with those photographs for which they were given desk assignments. In other words, they were punished anyway. The investigation is still ongoing more than a year later, but findings of the Office of Professional Responsibility in July found no whips were in their possession. And no migrant was struck by the rains, although it did find other alleged infractions. Now, just hours after Biden made his inflammatory remarks to the cameras, Marsha Espinosa, Assistant Secretary, DHS Public Affairs, emailed Mayorkas and copied other DHS leadership, alerting them to a news article that showed that the photographer who took the images did not see any whipping. In the email, Espinoza highlighted the comments from the photographer, where he directly says he did not witness any whipping. But you see, folks, they wanted the whipping. They wanted a whipping to have occurred. The Democrat Party has a narrative. They want to yank out the heart and soul of this nation. They have a narrative. So even though there was none of that going on, They kept repeating the big lie. They wanted it to go on. They don't care about these heroic men trying to secure our border. They never have and they never will. Two and a half hours after receiving that email, Mayorkas joined White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki at a White House press conference where he continued to push the narrative. He had that email. 
from his top press person, an assistant secretary, and he goes on national TV and he says, our nation saw horrifying images that do not reflect who we are. We know that those images painfully conjured up the worst elements of our nation's ongoing battle against systemic racism. It's like the lie against the cops. Systemic racism from the cops. The evidence shows none of that. None of it. Mayorkas earlier in the week had spoken alongside Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortez and had defended the agents, even pointing out that agents use long range to control their horses, not as whips. But by the end of the week, he abandoned that point. The images horrified us in terms of what they suggest and what they conjure up, Mayorkas said. Why? Because Mayorkas was told by the White House, push it, push the narrative, exploit it. It's a white supremacist country. It's a white dominant country. Push it. He was then asked about the discrepancy between the photographer's claims about no whipping being witnessed in the president's statement. He said the horses have long reins and the image of the photograph that we saw that Harnot fired the nation raised serious questions. But what occurred, as I stated quite clearly, conjured up images of what has occurred in the past. No, it doesn't. And no, it didn't. You mean Democrats whipping black people? It conjured up that images? Because that's the image of the past. Democrats whipping black people. The emails were obtained by the Heritage Foundation's Oversight Project. National Border Patrol Council President Brandon Jun told Fox News it was smoking gun evidence. Smoking gun? It was evidence even beyond a smoking gun. The investigation found no evidence. None. That agents struck migrants at all. They weren't even carrying whips. They'd been accused, one agent, of denigrating an offensive language against migrants. You know, most of these agents are Hispanics, right? Do you know that? They're bilingual, at least. Most of these agents are Hispanics. And yet, look how they're treated. As white supremacists, you see. Must be part of the Oath Keepers of the Proud Boys. Maybe even, let's look at their Facebook, maybe even. They questioned Dr. Fauci, you never know. Maybe they questioned what the Democrats have been doing with our government. Oh, potential threats. This is sickening when the entire federal government is setting up patriotic, heroic fellow citizens to push a racist narrative against the country. What is the purpose of the Democrat Party? Does it have a real purpose other than to destroy us from within? What does it do? What is its purpose? Trashes our history, trashes our sovereignty, trashes our heroes, trashes law enforcement, trashes the military, 
trashes successful people, trashes the working class and the middle class, trashes our Constitution, trashes our economic system, our currency. What is the purpose other than to destroy, to seek and destroy from within? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. It's amazing how the Democrats are the criminal's best friend. What they've done to our streets, what they've done to our border, what they've done to our legal system, they have all but burned it all down. We still have patriots who are willing to serve and stand up to lawlessness. That's why this deserves a laser focus. Bill Malusion on Fox News today. Cut 16, go. So a notorious false claim is making news yet again. We know that Border Patrol agents never whipped Haitian migrants last year. Turns out that Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas apparently knew that too, but did not stop the bogus narrative. Bill Malusion's on the story. He's in L.A. today. Bill, good morning. Bill, good morning to you. That's right. An email obtained through a records request reveals that DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was privately alerted by DHS officials that the whipping narrative behind the infamous horseback Border Patrol photos wasn't true. But at a press conference hours later, Mayorkas didn't stop or dispute that narrative. The email was obtained by the Heritage Foundation, which filed a Freedom of Information Act request with DHS seven months ago, seeking all DHS communications about the incident with the horseback agents in Del Rio, Texas, last summer. Now, last week, DHS finally produced an initial batch of emails, including one from September 24th, 2021, the same day President Biden said this. To see people treated like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. Now, hours after the president's comments, Marsha Espinoza, DHS's top public affairs official, sent this email to Secretary Mayorkas and other DHS officials at 12.05 p.m. In the email, Espinoza sends Mayorkas a news article and literally highlights that the photographer who took the infamous whipping photos said in an interview that things aren't what they seem with his photos, that he and his colleagues never saw agents whipping anybody, and that his images were being misconstrued. 
But two and a half hours after receiving that email, Mayorkas joined a press conference at the White House where he failed to dispute the whipping narrative that President Biden and other politicians were pushing. Instead, he called the images horrifying. We know that those images painfully conjured up the worst elements of our nation's ongoing battle against systemic racism. And during his comments, Mayorkas never disclosed the new facts he had been alerted to in that email just hours beforehand. And the president of the Border Patrol Union says that email shows there was just no interest in the truth. It is smoking, uh, smoking gun evidence, and it clearly shows that they're willing to lie to the American people for, for their self-interest. They withheld facts. And any time that you withhold facts from the American people, you should be willing to step down from your job. Better men would step down. And a 10-month-long CBP investigation later concluded the horseback agents never whipped anybody. They didn't even carry whips, though they are now facing up to 14-day unpaid suspensions for administrative violations. I reached out to DHS two days ago for comments on this story. I followed up again this morning, but I have received no response from DHS whatsoever. There you go. Meanwhile, approximately a year ago when that, those photos came out, and despite the fact that the photographer denied that they had whipped anybody, shortly thereafter, here's a Grabian montage just a year ago of our corrupt, disgusting, lying media cut 17 go images that make you think of how enslaved people were treated border agents using some kind of whips around migrants at the border at least one border patrol agent using a, a whip and was effectively trying to lasso some of the migrants whipping i don't care what anyone mm. says yes it's a rain but nonetheless there was whipping that happened border patrol agents using reins against migrants. They say that this looks like slavery. They say that this is cruel, that it's inhumane. I was not aware that whips, um, which come from the slave era, slavery era, were part of the package that we issue to any sort of law enforcement. In 2021, seeing whips and being them corralled on horses was just a sickening and dehumanizing image. When you start whipping people with, and you want to split hairs between reins and whips, I don't care what it is, that lacks humanity. Race is just the most palpable tool in the toolkit. It used to be of the Democratic Party back right. in the day. Joy Reid, Yamichi Alcinder, Chuck Todd, Dodd Lemon, The Usuals, and more. And you won't hear a single apology tonight from any of them. You won't hear a single apology Sunday. They're all sleazeballs. That's what they are. That's what they'll always be, no matter how many showers they take. I'll be right back. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad 
Democrat as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Blasting conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Now, we talked about Department of Homeland Security under this administration, which is corrupt as hell. It's corrupt through and through, right down to its bone marrow. And you want to know what the American Stasi was up to? The Federal Bureau of the Stasi was up to? With its dossier to try and take out Trump? The same FBI that's gone after records and trying to prosecute Trump again? There were many articles on this today. I decided to use CNN. Why? So I can't be accused of fabricating anything. FBI offered Christopher Steele $1 million to prove dossier claims senior FBI analyst testifies. And he testified to that under oath today in open court, federal court in Washington, D.C. Certainly before the 2016 election, the FBI offered retired British spy Christopher Steele, quote, up to $1 million, unquote, to prove the explosive allegations in his dossier about Donald Trump, a senior FBI analyst testified Tuesday. And thank God for the patriots. There's just not enough of them coming, coming forward from the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The cash offer was made during an overseas October 2016 meeting between Steele and several top FBI officials who were trying to corroborate Steele's claims that the Trump campaign was colluding with Russia to win the election. You want to know why? You want to know why this country isn't safe? Because of the FBI's involvement in politics, the amount of resources they spend on creating people as demeric, as or creating characteristics of people as domestic terrorists, surveilling people, monitoring people. FBI supervisory analyst Brian Alton, A-U-T-E-N, he's a supervisory analyst, testified that Christopher Steele never got the money because he could not prove the allegations. I want to remind you, the FBI already knew the dossier was phony, but they didn't care. So in my view, they're offering the guy Christopher Steele a million bucks because they wanted him to say he could verify it. Why else would you do that when you know it's unverifiable? Alton, FBI supervisory analyst Alton, also said Steele refused to provide the names of any of his sources during that meeting. And that Steele didn't give the FBI anything during that meeting that corroborated the claims in his explosive dossier. Paid for by Hillary Rotten Clinton. What a sleazeball she is. What a head case she is. She's like a bad, what can I say? A bad inner thigh rash. That's what she is. There, I got it. That never goes away. 
I hear this from Democrats. The FBI agent was testifying at the criminal trial of Igor Danchenko. By the way, he's not a Ukrainian, he's a Russian. A primary source for Steele's dossier. It was being prosecuted by special counsel John Durham. Danchenko, Russian, has pleaded not guilty to five counts of lying to the FBI about his sourcing for some information that ended up in the dossier. Dorm, a Trump-era prosecutor, they say. Dorm's been around for decades. He's not a Trump-era prosecutor. He might even be a Clinton-era prosecutor, you dumb clowns over at Constipated News Network. Handled most of the in-court arguments. In other words, he argued himself. Personally questioned FBI agent Alton on the witness stand. A rare move for a special counsel and former U.S. attorney. In opening statements, prosecutors said Danchenko, Russian, not Ukrainian, fabricated a source and concealed a source in his interviews with the FBI in January 2017, where investigators were furiously trying to corroborate or refute the details of the Trump-Russia dossier. Really? Then why did they leak it? And why did they go to Trump with it? Why did Comey do that if they were furiously trying to corroborate or refute it? They were using it like a like a sledgehammer against Trump. Prosecutor Michael Kelty said Danchenko's alleged lies corrupted the functions of the FBI. Wasn't hard to do. Danchenko's alleged deception tainted surveillance warrants that the FBI sought against former Trump advisor Carter Page in 2016 and 2017. Uh, So did the changing of a word in an email by one of the FBI lawyers who was found guilty, slapped on the hand, and got his law license back, America. You familiar with that? Oh, yes, he's probably in some bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. Special Counsel Dorm. Cases about protecting the functions and integrity of the institutions. Well, that day is over. Dorm was appointed in 2019 by former Attorney General Bill Barr, who... Defying government misconduct in the Trump-Russia probe after three years, Dorm only secured one conviction of a low-level FBI lawyer. Now the media's, see this? Well, what jurisdiction is he in? Oh, Washington, D.C. But his team used the Danchenko case to put the FBI on trial in some ways and air some of the Bureau's dirty laundry for all to see. Kelty, one of the prosecutors, said in an opening statements the trial will cover the FBI's troubling conduct regarding the page surveillance. He said the Bureau should have uncovered Danchenko's alleged lies, but never did. Dorm spent a decent chunk of time showing jurors the warrant applications that the FBI submitted to surveil Carter Page. Dorm highlighted how the FBI kept using information from the still dossier to bolster its case for probable cause to secure the warrants, even after the FBI came up empty in its efforts to corroborate Steele's claims, even after they offered him a million dollars. In a bribe. That's what it was. Those FISA warrants were roundly criticized in a 2019 report from the Justice Department Inspector General, which exposed a series of errors, flaws, and omissions. Two of the four court-approved warrants were later deemed invalid. Now, back in March 2017, right, Mr. Producer? 
back in March 2017, the first week of March, I put together what I could from the public record based on the leaks from the FBI. It was clear to me that the leaks were coming from the FBI, having to work at justice. It could come from no other place. This came from a judge. And I mentioned at the time about a FISA warrant. And I mentioned at the time that these warrants and other activities were taking place, spying on Donald Trump and the rest. And they came true. They came true. And uh, the same media, the same damn corrupt, sickening Democrat Party media that had put all these things in their press lied about it. Then they weirdly switched positions. Effectively, as I said at the time, condemning themselves. Effectively condemning themselves. So what's the bottom line here? Senior officials of the FBI met with Christopher Steele overseas. Offered him $1 million if he could verify what he had in the dossier, even though the agents already knew it was unverifiable. And he never got the money because he couldn't. That same dossier was used against Donald Trump in the media. That same dossier was used by Comey against Donald Trump when he met with him at Trump Tower. That same dossier was used by John McCain when he had a staffer take it to the FBI. But the FBI was in on it. The senior level of the FBI was in on it. I strongly believe Obama and Biden were in on it. The Department of Justice was in on it. The Democrat Party, the Hillary campaign, paid for it. And they washed it through a law firm, Perkins Coy, to another group that would go on to hire Christopher Steele to try and cover their tracks. And Mark Elias, I worked at that law firm, is the same lawyer who's organized the efforts in 2020 to change election laws in one state after another to defeat Donald Trump, going to friendly courts, friendly Governors, friendly secretaries of state. He's in courts right now trying to fix the outcome, in my personal view, change the outcome, however you want to put it, of midterm elections here and there throughout the country. He'll be doing the same thing in 2024. So the real insurrectionists, the real insurrections weren't the people on January 26th doesn't excuse those who were violent in any respect. They weren't the real insurrectionists. The real insurrectionists are at the FBI. They're in the Democrat Party. They're in the media. They hate America. They want to fundamentally change it. Then there are those of us who object to it. We object to it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Well, Joe Biden is blowing up the Middle East. He's just blowing it up. He wants to get the Iranians nuclear weapons. He wants to give Hezbollah oil fields off of Lebanon. He wants Israel to surrender to the Palestinian terrorists. And he's pushing Saudi Arabia into the arms of the Russians. And his party will cut off weapons to the Saudis so they can buy them from the communist Chinese. Meanwhile, the Iranians have built military alliances with both Russia and China. Syria's built military alliances, of course, with Russia. Saudi Arabia now will build military alliances with Russia and China. Israel will have to defend against the Palestinians who are being empowered by Joe Biden. And this is the situation we have in the Middle East. We had the Abraham Accords under President Trump. Joe Biden has blown up the entire Middle East. And in the case of Saudi Arabia, he's angry at Saudi Arabia. Why? Because Saudi Arabia wouldn't play Democrat Party politics with him. Hello, hello, hello. Listen to me. This isn't about protecting America. Saudi Arabia decided to cut two million barrels of oil. Why? Because Joe Biden has cut the equivalent of two million barrels of oil from domestic production. And the Saudis are thinking, why the hell should we do that when you don't do it yourself? But they don't matter. They didn't even matter under Trump. It didn't matter what OPEC did. It didn't matter what Russia did. It didn't matter what anybody was doing. It was full steam ahead. Develop. Pump. Refined. Ship, use energy independence. They've destroyed. They've destroyed energy independence here in America. And Joe Biden is a political street hack. And he was pressuring Saudi Arabia. If you're going to cut it, okay, fine, but just do it a few days before the election. By that time, our people will have voted. And by that time, it won't matter. Okay, if you're going to cut it, at least cut it later. He didn't say don't cut it at all. My God. This is what Joe Biden is about. It's like he and his family dealing with the communist Chinese and other foreign governments in which they've made tens of millions of dollars. And they expected the Saudis effectively 
to do what the Biden crime family demands. And he thinks he's so clever and he's so smart and he's so politically capable, does Biden. And now suddenly he and his party want to come off all arms sales to the Saudis. And you watch how the Iranian wing, which is so similar to the Putin wing of the media and of our political parties, attack Saudi Arabia. I'm no special pleader for Saudi Arabia. It is a corrupt, inbred monarchy. It's not my point. There are geopolitical issues here. We had peace processes going on in the Middle East. Saudi Arabia wasn't anything to worry about. The Palestinians were cut out because Trump said, you know what, we're tired of your terrorism. We're tired of your obstruction. We'll deal directly with Arab Gulf countries. We will build a defense against the Iranians. He put his foot on the throat of the Islamo-Nazi regime that keeps threatening to fire nuclear weapons at us. He supported the state of Israel in part as a buffer. He worked well with the Saudis, worked well with the Egyptians. We didn't have all this crap going on. Joe Biden is about Joe Biden. He doesn't care if this country burns, baby, burns. He does not care. And neither does his damn party. A corrupt, evil, good-for-nothing party. From the very day it was founded. A sick party. And so now we're going to push Saudi Arabia into the arms of the Chinese for weapons. (coughs) They're already somewhat in the arms of the Russians. The Democrats want to cut off all the weapons. Why? Because they didn't help them in the midterms. That's why. Daily Caller. Biden administration begs Saudis to delay oil production cuts until days before the election. Jack McAvoy. Why? Meaning the Americans would not have felt the impact of reduced supplies before casting their ballots. The Wall Street Journal report, OPEC and its Russian-led allies, which are collectively known as OPEC+, Plus, cut crude oil production by 2 million barrels on October 5th. Before it was announced, the Biden administration begged, begged, according to the Wall Street report, Saudi Arabia, founding member of OPEC, to delay the decision until November. Is that not an impeachable offense, Mr. Producer? Remember when they impeached Trump and they said, what did they say? He was using politics to try and get the Ukrainians to investigate Biden, which he was not. But it doesn't matter. Here, Biden's using politics that affects you and me, Mr. and Mrs. America. Not just Biden, Mr. and Mrs. America. Where he says, okay, okay, you're going to cut it. But wait, wait so it doesn't hurt the Democrat Party. So it doesn't hurt the Democrat Party. You believe this? You believe what we have at the head of this government? I want you people who are going to the gas stations, you're filling up your car, I want you to listen to me. Those prices don't have to be that high. The price of food doesn't have to be this high. Interest rates don't have to be this high. Housing prices 
Prices of automobiles, they don't have to be this high. None of this has to be going on. This is all Biden Democrat Party made. There are no moderates in this battle. Not one. Not one. And now he's burning the Middle East. Where Trump had it at peace. He's burning it. Pushing the Saudis into the arms of the communist Chinese and the Russians. What a stupid bastard. I'm sorry. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Okay, the Republicans who are serious and substantive who are making lists of impeachable offenses, this is one where Joe Biden is using oil and energy policy to try and help the Democrat Party. No Republican should vote with the Democrats to do anything to the Saudis. Not because I like the Saudis. I don't give a damn about the Saudis. In fact, I don't like that regime at all. That's not my point. I believe in America first. Real America first. And so Joe Biden is trying to help his party in the midterm elections. And the Saudis took it that way, too. And you go to the polls, and Joe Biden announces, what's the problem, ladies and gentlemen? We're not in a recession. He says this yesterday to Jake Tapper, who gives him a softball interview. Softball interview. Cut three, Mr. Producer. Cut three. Go. Should the American people prepare for a recession? No. Look, they've been saying this now How uh, every, every six months they say this. Every six months, they look down the next six months and see what's going to happen. Uh, we don't have to look six months. Let's look now. The producer price index is 8.5% higher than it was a year ago this time. Last month, it was 8.7% higher than it was a year ago at this time. In other words, we have right now major, major inflation, and it's not going away. I don't even care what the experts have to say, and they're all saying it's here. I don't care. And it is fused with a recession. We're in a recession. It's called stagflation, as they say over and over and over again. And tomorrow the consumer price index will come up while the January 6th committee is holding hearings. And I hope the Republicans will hold January 5th committee hearings. What am I talking about? What did Nancy Pelosi know and when did she know it? What did Mitch McConnell know and when did he know it? But that aside, the Fed's going to increase interest rates yet again. It's upsetting that they are. It means that borrowing is unaffordable in many instances. But they're doing it because the federal government is elbowing out you and the private sector from borrowing. 
because they're borrowing so damn much and they're printing it to make it up. It's a huge problem. I just want you to be careful about something. Joe Biden wants you to attack the Saudi government for what he and his party are doing. I don't mind if you attack the Saudi government, but don't let them get away with this. He created this situation. They created this situation. And it is, to quote Jeremiah Wright, coming home to roost. Don't forget it. The American people are weaker as a result of Joe Biden. The American people are poorer as a result of Joe Biden. People are into group identity more than ever before. They're at each other's throats as a result of Joe Biden. Kids are not learning education because of Joe Biden. The borders are wide open. Fentanyl, drug cartels, sex slaves because of Joe Biden. Then you get people like Abigail Spanberger, who the Republican rhinos keep talking up because <coughs> they're idiots. Therefore, I will have her opponent on this program. So all of you listening to me right now in your trucks, in your cars, in your vans, whatever you're driving, when you fill up your car, whether you use unleaded or whether you use diesel, You want it to go down? Then you got to vote the right way, or it's going up, and it's going up even more. You folks listening to me are getting out of your vehicles to go into the grocery store or supermarket. Look around at the prices. That's going to get worse, and there's going to be less of it. Same with the folks at Walmart or Target or Lowe's or Home Depot. Have you noticed the prices? If you have a little garden in your backyard, have you noticed the price of soil? And even a little fertilizer? If you can get it? This is America. We're committing suicide. We're committing suicide. This party is mentally unhinged. The Democrat Party is committing suicide and they insist that we all do it too. That's what's going on. Eight point five percent inflation on the producer price index. Well, I'm not a producer. Yeah, but everybody who produces everything, they are producers. You're the end user, whether it's food, whether it's fuel, whether it's clothing, whether it's a roof over your head, whether it's a vehicle, whatever you purchase. Everything you purchase is affected by the price of fuel. Everything that's, that's acquired by you is affected by the producer price inflation index because it's passed on to you. Even though the federal government has, quote-unquote, fixed this number to make it look better than it is over the last decade or so, it's still a disaster. And that's going to be the same thing with the consumer price index which downplays the price of food and fuel. Did you know that? I don't know many people who can live without food, let alone fuel, to get them around and so forth. By the way, when we just have a nation built on electricity, which of course is absurd, through solar power and wind power, and Democrat Party methane power, 
Where are we going to get our fertilizer from? You need petroleum to make fertilizer. You know that, right, Mr. Producer? Well, where are we going to get it from? Nowhere. Nowhere. 8.5%. All right, we got to move along. Got a lot to do. There was a piece in The Federalist that caught my attention. A number of people sent it to me by Rachel Bavard. I don't know Rachel Bavard. I don't know how old she is. I'm told she's a good lady. Young lady. So I won't rip her. But I will talk about what she wrote on October 12th. It's a long piece. The 1980s called. They want their foreign policy back and Republicans to finally wake up. So in this piece, she basically lays into the conservative movement under Reagan. They had to create new movements, the moral majority. They had things like the Laffer Curve, the New Right. Reagan was different from conservatives in the past, and we have to be different today. And the article, quite frankly, is, how can I say this nicely? It's largely a mishmash because many of the Republican establishment positions, policies are confused with conservative, constitutional conservative positions and policies. And if you fundamentally understand conservatism, you understand that conservatism is about reform. Edmund Burke explained it himself. No less than Edmund Burke said so. If you read the Constitution, the Constitution is about reform. The Constitution leaves it up to individuals, pretty much, to do whatever they want to do, as long as they're not committing crimes or so forth and so on. It even enshrines the Declaration of Independence, I argue, under the Ninth Amendment. So if you want to change your life, change your life. If you want to change your genitalia, change your genitalia. If you, if you believe in populism, believe in populism. If you believe in uh, uh, nationalism, believe, believe whatever you want. Practice whatever you want. But what about the quote-unquote conservative movement? It needs to be changed. We can't go back to the 1980s and Reagan. We can't go back to Newt Gingrich and Bush. Well, Newt Gingrich and Bush have nothing in common. We can't go back to the Tea Party. Can't go back to the Tea Party? Do you know what the Tea Party was all about, young lady? She says the FBI arrested a pro-life activist for two felonies. They've died 11 more. Vice President Kamala Harris said Biden administration would give hurricane relief sources based not on need but racial gender. We know this. I wrote a whole book on this. It's called American Marxism. It's called American Marxism. But the enemy here is not Reagan. It's not constitutional conservatism. It's not the Republican establishment 
That's not the enemy here. This reminds me in a strange way of the Marxists who believe that we should dismiss the past because the world begins today. There's not a lot to learn from the past. Not a lot to learn from Reagan. Probably the third, if not the fourth most important president in American history who won two massive electoral landslides, both popular vote and electoral college vote. There's nothing to learn there, you see. Did the Democrats say that about Franklin Roosevelt? I'm just curious. No, they build on what Franklin Roosevelt did. Is economic socialism and worse? They build on it. We're to dismiss and reject. Pat on the head. Thank you, older conservatives. Thank you, past conservatives. Now it's our turn. That's very Marxian. I'm just saying. And we are confronting the American Marxist movement. And we need to battle it. And we need to defeat it. And we're going to have to unify all the elements of this society that reject it in order to do so. If you're a populist, whatever that means, I don't know, do you support the Bill of Rights? Well, the Bill of Rights protects us from populists and it protects us from a federal government. Your rights are unalienable rights. They're not populist rights. Your neighbor doesn't get to vote and decide if you have free speech rights or due process rights or gun rights. That's populism. And sometimes the principled, virtuous, right things are not embraced by the majority. Now, we've talked about this many times. It's been written about many times, and I would encourage the author of this piece to perhaps go back and read some of these people. It's worthwhile. What's going on at the FBI today isn't going on because of Ronald Reagan or Newt Gingrich. What do they have to do with it? Nothing. We've had periods in our history where the FBI's been out of control. We've had periods in our history where the CIA's been out of control. But if we're not going to go back to the quote-unquote 1980s, whatever that means, then why are we going back to the 1940s? When Republican populism was very popular. When Republican nationalism was very popular. It was very popular throughout the country. Actually in the early 30s. And so we couldn't really prepare for the rise of the Third Reich. In Imperial Japan and fascist Italy. I mean... You'd have to go back beyond the 1980s to the early 1930s. And if you really want to talk about populist nationalism, you go back to the late 1800s, when the populist nationalists were actually economic socialists and cultural Marxists. That's the truth. So... 
taking on these agencies, taking on the bureaucracy, taking them all on, is something that we should do. We must do. We have to do. But let us not confuse George Bush either with Ronald Reagan or true conservatives from that era. Because without them laying a foundation and without the Tea Party laying a foundation, there wouldn't be Donald Trump or MAGA or any of the rest. Now, these things don't just happen. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The government is addicted to spending, and that reckless spending is driving up costs on everything for your family. It's not right, and it's not fair. But you don't have to be a victim. There are things you can do right now to lower your monthly expenses and mitigate the impact of inflation. Step one, switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. On America's most reliable 5G network, you don't have to sacrifice coverage to save a fortune every single month. Take a look at your cell phone bill. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're getting ripped off. I know how much you pay. Pure Talk will give you unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just 30 bucks a month. That's real money that can go to cover groceries or gas. And Pure Talk has never raised rates. Take action. Go to puretalk.com. Select the plan that will save you money. Then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And you'll get 50% off your first month. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. The article states New times bring new challenges, which call for new political coalitions and new policy priorities. Some of that will require, as my friend Russ Vaught recently argued, a radical constitutionalism, divesting power from Washington and federal funding from woke, weaponized public institutions. This isn't new. Eight or nine years ago, I wrote a book called The Liberty Amendments. There is a massive movement underway with five and a half million members called the Convention of States. There's nothing radical about it. It's right there in Article 5 of the Constitution. This is what the framers intended. This is what I mean. You really do, folks, need to inform yourself if you're going to critique these things. I spoke last week. Actually, last Saturday. And in the room, there had to be about a thousand activists. And I don't mean at the ground level. I mean regional people and so forth. They have thousands and thousands of activists across the country. They have five and a half million members. And it gets almost no attention from the Federalist or anybody else. And maybe that's a good thing. They're under the radar. And read the Liberty Amendments. And you'll see that many of us have been out front, we old Reaganites, long before many of the people who critique these things. To understand the grassroots, you need to be part of the grassroots. And if you look at what's being proposed, you say here, divesting power from Washington and federal funding from woke weaponized public institutions, I think you'd be happy to learn, Rachel. That that's underway. That's the effort. 19 state legislatures <coughs> have approved a meeting of states. 19. With almost no money, 
and almost no support from the Federalist or anybody else except me right here behind the microphone because Convention of States and I with the Liberty Amendments simultaneously push this movement. So yes, there's a lot we can do. We stand on the shoulders of the people before us, whether they're the framers of the Constitution, and from there, whether it's Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump, that's how you build movements, and we need to save our society and reject the Republican establishment. I'll be right back. The government is addicted to spending, and that reckless spending is driving up costs on everything for your family. It's not right, and it's not fair. But you don't have to be a victim. There are things you can do right now to lower your monthly expenses and mitigate the impact of inflation. Step one, switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. On America's most reliable 5G network, you don't have to sacrifice coverage to save a fortune every single month. Take a look at your cell phone bill. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're getting ripped off. I know how much you pay. Pure Talk will give you unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just 30 bucks a month. That's real money that can go to cover groceries or gas. And Pure Talk has never raised rates. Take action. Go to puretalk.com. Select the plan that will save you money. Then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And you'll get 50% off your first month. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. Is that a copy of the Constitution you've got? Or are you just happy to see Mark Levin? Call him now at 877-381-3811. Tariffs are not a new thing for Republicans. Republicans have backed tariffs since there was a Republican Party. What was unusual is that handful of decades when Republicans opposed tariffs. And during that period, while there are negatives, Reagan created 25 million new jobs. And the country's economy grew by 25%. In fact, the economy grew so fast that it grew to what would be the equivalent of the size of what was then West Virginia, uh, excuse me, West Germany, just during his term. And in fact, the economy grew so fast, there were so many jobs, it bled into the Clinton administration. Through the Bush, George W., excuse me, George H. Uh, Bush's, H.W., uh, whatever the hell it was, his administration. The Soviets were defeated. I mean, I could go on and on. This whole thing about the Supreme Court and originalism, that all started under Ed Meese as Attorney General of the United States. Nobody else started that. There was no pushback. School choice, one of the greatest and most important civil rights options on the table now. That was litigated by legal groups like Landmark Legal Foundation and the Institute for Justice. All the way up to the United States Supreme Court, there was hand-to-hand combat in courts, beginning in Wisconsin, going all the way to the Supreme Court. It took 20, 25 years of work to get that done. Is that okay? A lot of conservatives have understood what we confront. The urgency of the time is quite different. That's for sure. 
And so when people like many of those at National Review or the Wall Street Journal don't comprehend what's going on, that's not the conservative movement, such as it is. Such as it is. You have Convention of States, you have the school choice movement. You have a great deal of things going on where people are trying to save this country. You have the parents' movement that's rising up to protect our classrooms to the extent they can. Again, conservative legal groups litigating all over the country to try and stop critical race theory. And governors as well as conservative legal groups trying to stop what's taking place with the sexualizing of our children. We are facing tyranny. That's what we're facing. Tyranny. And these quote-unquote new things that appear in this article are not new at all. Some of them make a lot of sense. But some of them are throwbacks. And we've got to figure out what works and what doesn't work. But that's conservatism. That's constitutionalism. That's individualism. But I would push back on some of these issues. The idea that the government needs to intercede is not and should not be a primary position. On the one hand, we condemn the centralized government with the FBI and the intelligence agencies, the massive tax state with the IRS, the red tape, the Environmental Protection Agency and all the rest. But then on the other hand, we fool ourselves if we think we can use them as tools to fight them. We can't. Which is why Convention of States is so important, and maybe some of you who write or talk a good game or at least participate in it. I don't know that my buddy Mike Levin supports it. I'm just saying, and he is my buddy. I'm not sure. The problem isn't the Constitution in the sense that it's an old document. Convention of States doesn't intend to change the Constitution. It intends to reinforce its founding principles. Milton Friedman used to say almost all of the problems society has comes from Washington. And he's right. And the list of problems that Rachel puts in her article are all about Washington. We can't strip Washington of power, shrink Washington, and at the same time, expand Washington to do what we wanted to do. It's a complicated and complex battle. And it's been over a hundred years. It's not the new right. It's not Reagan. It's not Newt Gingrich. It's been going on since the late 1800s. With these Marxists dressed up as progressives. They've told us what they want to do and they're doing it. And so how do you deal with the teachers union as a practical matter? School choice. Homeschooling. All the competition that's possible and necessary. There's an opportunity there, a huge opportunity. How do you get our Constitution back? I don't know what radicalized constitutionalism means, but how about we actually do something about it? Go into the state legislatures, many of which we control, and push them. They help us get our Constitution back. It's right there in Article 5. How about that? Family, faith, community, nation, human dignity. 
They don't just happen. No, they don't. It's called the civil society. It's called the civil society. Now, even though they are being actively defended, the problem is we have to be more precise in the terms we use and the enemies we identify. It's the Democrat Party. It's certain elements within the Republican Party. It's the media. It's our colleges and universities. You look at the back of American Marxism, I talk about what I feel we can do about the classrooms, what I feel we can do about these colleges and universities, and critical race theory, and the kind of actions that we can take as a people. But this has always been the approach of Reagan conservatives, traditional conservatives. Again, do not confuse people who sit at think tanks and spit out white papers or write columns for the Wall Street Journal or National Review with movement conservatism. Look at what the court's done. Where do you think Sam Alito came from? Came from the Reagan administration. Where do you think Scalia came from before he passed away? From the Reagan administration. Where did Robert Bork come? From the Reagan administration. It was the Reagan administration that started the whole judicial pushback against the activism that had taken place in the 60s, the 70s, and into the 80s. Led by Ed Meese, the Attorney General. So don't burn the bridges down, Rachel. There are things we can do and we should do. We should learn from the successes. But I think most of the complaint here, while people are trying to be very philosophical about it, isn't about philosophy. And it isn't about even politics. It's about getting strong patriots in the right position so they'll get something done. When faith is under attack, you don't abandon Christianity. When faith is under attack, you don't abandon Judaism. You don't abandon your faith. You embrace it. You embrace your faith. You don't abandon it. There are things you can do within your faith. There's prayers you can have within your faith to God, of course. But you don't abandon it. I won't spend any more time on this. I could, but there's no need. And I would just say one other thing, not to get too complicated about this notion of negative liberty and positive liberty. No, freedom is not a set of positive conditions, as you're right, Rachel. That is the position of the far left. Freedom is a position of negative liberty, which means the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights in the Constitution is about negative liberty. That is, you as an individual, you have your liberty. You have a circle of liberty. It is not to be molested. If you don't accept that, then what are you? Because it's the position of the hard left 
that positive liberty means your liberty comes from government and government action. Now, as I wrote in Rediscovering Americanism, maybe positive liberty should really be negative liberty, and negative liberty be called positive. That's a marketing issue. That's a labeling issue. But if you're going to use it, you got to use it properly. Freedom, after all, is not a negative good. It is simply not enough at this juncture. When we talk about negative liberty here, it's not about good or bad. It's about man's relationship to government and man's relationship to man. Negative liberty means this is my private property and the government can't take it. Positive liberty means, well, I will take it for the common good and do with it as I wish. Negative liberty means keep your hands off my gun. The government doesn't have a right to my gun. Positive liberty means, oh, yes, I do. I have a right to tell you what to do with it, how many bullets it can have, what kind of gun you can have, what your gun can look at, look like. So if negative liberty, as properly understood, isn't embraced by conservatives, then we have no liberty. Everything comes from government. Everything comes from government. A positive set of conditions is not the same thing as positive liberty. I'm just explaining it. I'm just explaining it. I've explained too much, haven't I, Mr. Producer? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The government is addicted to spending, and that reckless spending is driving up costs on everything for your family. It's not right, and it's not fair. But you don't have to be a victim. There are things you can do right now to lower your monthly expenses and mitigate the impact of inflation. Step one, switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. On America's most reliable 5G network, you don't have to sacrifice coverage to save a fortune every single month. Take a look at your cell phone bill. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're getting ripped off. I know how much you pay. Pure Talk will give you unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just 30 bucks a month. That's real money that can go to cover groceries or gas. And Pure Talk has never raised rates. Take action. Go to puretalk.com. Select the plan that will save you money. Then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And you'll get 50% off your first month. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. The United States Bill of Rights and the Constitution, that's all negative liberty. The government cannot interfere with my speech, the press, freedom of association. I just want to be clear about this. That's considered negative liberty. Positive liberty, not positive. Oh, that's a positive thing is the government saying, we decide what your liberties are, and you need this program, and you need this right, and you need this and so forth. And uh, that's how uh, it, was, it was written and conceived uh, about half a century or more ago. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear a candidate who's running in North Carolina for the Senate, another radical left-wing kook, Sherry Beasley, North Carolina Democratic Senate candidate, in 2019, she's running against uh, Ted uh, Bud, who we've endorsed. Another close race. So take a listen to this. Hat tip, Fox News, cut 15, go. Counties big and small, 
urban and rural, are changing the way they handle criminal cases pretrial. And they are beginning to see positive results. Jails are less crowded, defendants are keeping their jobs, and families are staying in their homes. These communities are finding that this process does not compromise their safety and it keeps their taxes low. She's talking about ending cash bail. Now, for those of us who really haven't been on the wrong side of the criminal justice system, what that means is you got to put up a certain amount of cash if you want to get out. So if you don't come back, we will remove it. Or if you violate your status, uh, you will lose that money. So that's been abolished statewide in Illinois. It's been abolished in a number of these cities, like New York City and Philadelphia and so forth. And uh, the candidate, the Democrat candidate running for the Senate in the state of North Carolina three years ago, uh, believes in dismantling the justice system, ending cash bail. She said it doesn't compromise anyone's safety. Well, it compromises everybody's safety. So I'd say to the people in North Carolina, is this an important issue to you? She's a radical. She's a radical. It should be a very important issue to you if you want to keep yourself and your family safe. Now, next hour, I want you to listen to what Eric Holder had to say on PBS yesterday. Mr. Producer, we'll make another desperate effort. Would you like to invite Eric Holder on this program to debate the case of Moore versus Harper? In this case, and again, we'll address it next hour, of Moore versus Harper, it's gone to the Supreme Court. It involves North Carolina, where the state legislature says, and I've said it over and over again, uh, excuse me, the North Carolina Supreme Court doesn't get, doesn't get to determine our congressional districts. We, the state legislature, get to do that. That's what the federal constitution says, and that is what it says. Now, the state legislature can't violate the federal constitution by, you know, uh, creating uh, districts that are uh, racist or discriminatory. So that's a given. But who makes the decision? The state legislature. Not the state courts. And Herrick Alder is on PBS, and he's saying, this is anti-democracy. This is fascism. So they're trying to set the predicate lay the foundation for the Supreme Court, intimidate the, the Supreme Court, basically Kavanaugh, Barrett, and Roberts. The other three are the, uh, are the Iron Men of the, uh, of the Supreme Court. But that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to turn this into a civil rights issue. It's not a civil rights issue. It's a federal constitutional issue. Last time I checked, the courts haven't been that great over the long course of our history. Dred Scott, Plessy versus Ferguson, Korematsu, Roe versus Wade. I'll be right back. In this economy, we all need as much help as we can get. If you own a business, you're looking for ways to survive. Innovation refunds can help. Small business owners, please listen up. You could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of your taxes. Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are highly trained in this little-known payroll tax refund program and have already returned $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you, too. Go to GetRefunds.com. They do all the work with no charge up front. They simply charge a percentage of the cash that they get for you. 
Go to GetRefunds.com, click on Qualify Me, and answer a few questions. It's that simple. Now, this payroll tax refund is only available for a very limited amount of time, so check it out right away. GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 Anyway, I want to get the holder, but let me set this up properly. We talked yesterday about a decision from the United States Supreme Court, maybe it was the day before, it doesn't really matter, where the court made a decision that the decision of the Third Circuit Court of Appeals right under it was to be disregarded. And that decision by that Third Circuit Court of Appeal was that the mail-in ballots did not have to have dates on the envelopes. And yet the law requires it, and it's always required it in the state of Florida, excuse me, the state of Pennsylvania. The Supreme Court told the federal appellate court, uh, you're on a line. So now here's the update, and this is why you get angry. And this is why you're disgusted with the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, the Federal Bureau of Instigation, a.k.a. the Stasi going after Pennsylvanians who've tried to push back, who've tried to figure out ways to deal with this. Pennsylvania is going to count undated ballots, election officials say, despite U.S. Supreme Court ruling. A top election official in Pennsylvania, this is the acting Secretary of State, Lee Chapman. She was not elected. She was appointed. She's the acting Secretary of State. Now, stop there. Do you think the framers of the Constitution wanted something called an acting secretary of state? Which, of course, didn't even exist then, but an acting. Not even a confirmed. Democrat Party secretary of state making decisions in violation of state law, in violation of the federal Constitution, giving that power specifically to the state legislature? Of course not. You have to be an idiot or a liberal. Top election official in Pennsylvania says the state will disregard the U.S. Supreme Court's guidance on counting mail-in ballots arriving in envelopes with typos or incorrect dates, saying that the state's Commonwealth Court has already established the practice as licit, meaning legal. Pennsylvania's election laws have historically required voters to include a signature and date on the outside of return envelopes when voting by mail. But Acting Secretary of State Lee Chapman announced that Pennsylvania election officials should continue counting ballots that arrive with improperly filled out envelopes in accordance with the Commonwealth Court's previous ruling on the matter. Every county, she said, she declared, is expected to include undated ballots in their official returns for the November 8 election, consistent with the Department of State's guidance. The executive branch has no control over this, ladies and gentlemen. 
That guidance followed the most recent ruling of the Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court, holding that both Pennsylvania and federal law prohibit excluding legal votes because the voter omitted an irrelevant date on the ballot return envelope. So these people brought the case to the Third Circuit Court of Appeal where they won. It was brought to the attention of the U.S. Supreme Court where they were slapped down, and they say, well, that doesn't apply to us. They're just slapping down the circuit court. They're not slapping down us. Me, the acting Secretary of State Democrat. So here you have the defiance of the Supreme Court. They had ruled that the Third Circuit Court's decision was moot. And they returned the matter to the established election laws of the state of Pennsylvania. The established election laws say you got to fill it out properly and put a date on it. And they're not going to comply. Now, there's a big case we've talked about from North Carolina going to the U.S. Supreme Court. They've accepted it. It's called Moore versus Harper. Well, the Republican legislature has had enough. The state Supreme Court, controlled by the left and the Democrats, was changing its redistricting in the state. It occurs every 10 years, and they had a very Democrat-friendly redistricting. The Republican legislature said, no, you don't have the power to do it. So they brought the case to the U.S. Supreme Court, which took it up. So here's Eric Holder on PBS yesterday. Notice PBS doesn't invite me to debate Eric Holder or anybody else. I will debate any professor out there. I will debate any professor out there. Any former federal craphead out there. And of course, Christiana Amanpour, she's with the pubic broadcasting system, hat tip newsbusters, cut 18, go. So critics say, I mean, further to what you're saying, is if this court case does win from North Carolina, the Republicans will be able to maintain power regardless of the popular vote. See I what mean, a any- liar she is? Why would the Republicans be, why would the Republicans be able to regain power despite the vote? How would that work? And besides, we don't like it, so they... Federal Constitution shouldn't be complied with. Go ahead. Regardless of the popular vote, should be of concern, I guess. And I'm wondering whether this puts America into the fast lane towards illiberal democracy. We're seeing the same kinds of things in places like Hungary and to extend... What a schmuck. What What a complete ass here. What a jackass. How has she even been on TV all these years as a phony reporter? I mean, why doesn't she just interview herself? So she brings on Eric Holder. Go ahead. Elsewhere. So the danger really is that parts of the Republican Party have become comfortable with the notion that in terms of popular support, they will be a minority party that has majority power. And we need to learn um, that from our, our his, from history, not only American history, but from European history as well, our, some of our closest allies. Um, you know, fascism rose in the 20th century in a lot of those countries, in countries in Europe, not because fascism was strong, but because the defense of democracy was weak. And unless we in America defend our democracy uh, and push back against those illiberal forces, 
uh, we could be in a place where we could lose our democracy. It doesn't mean we'll have a dictator, but we could have elections. All right, that's every- enough. That, that, that's enough. You know, it's an amazing thing when you're a minority talking about majorities. Majority vote. We had to fight a civil war to end slavery. It wasn't about a majority vote. It was about doing the right thing. We don't have majority votes on right to free speech. We don't have a majority vote on due process rights. We don't have a majority vote on the Second Amendment. We don't have a majority vote on warrantless searches. Up or down, thumbs up or down. We're not a democracy, we're a republic. So I have a problem with some of these populist arguments. But putting that aside for now, it's a debate that I want to have and have had for another day. But to attack state legislatures as if they are the enemy. They are the enemy. Have they not viciously attacked the Supreme Court of the United States, ladies and gentlemen, since the Dobbs decision on abortion? Did they not say that's a matter for Congress to codify? And yet when they don't like what a state legislature wants to do, that is, they want to decide how their seats are determined, then that's fascism? So when elected state legislature wants to do something, that's fascism. When the Supreme Court rules on something, that's fascism. So if you don't agree with them, it's fascism. What a bunch of jackasses. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're going around the country to bring to your attention, whether it's in your state or not, candidates that are running that have a shot at winning. And Don Bolduck, General Bond Bolduck, is running for the United States Senate out of New Hampshire against a radical left-wing Democrat who really hadn't done a damn thing for her state of New Hampshire, has she, General? No, sir, she has not. She hasn't done a dang thing except hurt people in New Hampshire economically, fiscally, their safety and security. Uh, opioid crisis, health care, mental health, you name it. Every one of her decisions, every one of her votes has hurt Granite Staters and Americans, and it's time for change. And you're running in New Hampshire, and, of course, the establishment fought you. I hope the Republicans are unifying behind you, are they? Yes, they are. Um, you know, uh, the primary's over. We're all unified. We're all moving in the same direction. Uh, and that's du- that direction is for change and to get out, you know, um, you know, Senator Hassan and and Congressman Pappas and uh, Congressperson Custer. Uh, you know, they need to go. Uh, they've created too many problems for Granite Staters, uh, livelihoods and their families, their children and their grandchildren. Let's talk about Senator Hassan for a moment. She's not exactly a leading figure in the Senate. She's mostly a follower. And who does she follow? She follows Bernie Sanders. Now, last time I checked, he represented Vermont, not New Hampshire. She votes radical left. She votes for whatever Biden says. She votes for 87,000 new IRS agents. She votes to uh, destroy energy independence. Now, I would think it gets pretty damn cold in New Hampshire during the winter. Are people going to be concerned about the prices of fuel and even electricity in New Hampshire? 
Well, absolutely. And right now, it's a choice between heating and eating for many people. I've been campaigning now for over two years. I've been to every town and city, and I will um, I'll let you know that she has not uh, done that. Uh, and she's been scarce. She's been hiding uh, from Granite Staters because she supports Joe Biden 100% of the time and her party and Schumer and the rest of them over 96% of the time, uh, which leaves little room for her to do the right thing for Granite Staters. And you're absolutely right. I mean, since March to August, she has voted, uh, you know, to uh, increase spending by $5.2 trillion. That's increased on average in the Granite State here, 700 more dollars coming out of the households that they don't have. Uh, and, you know, credit card debt that has increased significantly. Retirees are now coming out of retirement and going to work because they have to in order to make ends meet. And this is something that is, is unacceptable. And recently in August, she voted to not approve to expand, uh, you know, uh, our, our petroleum uh, industry, uh, you know, natural gas, all that. She voted no to that. She voted no for more border security. She voted no against replacing the 87,000 IRS agents with border patrol agents and the $80 billion that would go to doing that. She voted no uh, for that going to uh, going to the border patrol, um, which, you know, you know, is absolutely wrong. And it's just been one thing after another. And she presents herself as some sort of bipartisan uh you know, Democrat and moderate Democrat when she's not. She's she's an extremist in all her decisions, um, support the policies of an administration that has weakened America. I'm talking to uh, Don Bolduck, a retired general. Uh, he is the Republican candidate for the Senate in New Hampshire. We could sure use his victory. And if you'd like to help him in New Hampshire and elsewhere along the country, it's donbolduck.com, D-O-N-B-O-L-D-U-C.com, bolduck.com. General, let me ask you this question. Uh, apparently she's running a lot on abortion. Does she, does she deal with the hard questions, which is, do you believe in aborting a baby one minute before birth? Has she ever answered that question? Has it ever been posed to her? No, it's never been posed to her, and they never ask her questions about her position on abortion, which is absolutely inconsistent with a majority of Granite Staters. She refuses to fully comprehend and understand that um, it's a state rights issue now, and our state has a law, and that it's no longer a federal issue, but she continues down the road uh, of trying to re-elevate it to the federal level because, you know, uh, she feels that if she can keep the focus on that, then people will forget about everything else that she's done negative, and it's just not working. Uh, but she does and believe and support abortion up to the time of birth, uh, which which is not consistent with how uh, Granite Staters feel about uh, abortion in this state. And, you know, there's obviously people on both sides of the issue that don't agree with the state law, but it is the state law. And that is where it belongs, and that's the best place for women on both sides of the issue to be heard, certainly better than at the federal level. And, you know, the funny thing is, uh, 
She doesn't even support Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade says in the third month, uh, the state um, really is free. I'm, and I'm just giving you a truncated version to the country is is free to regulate it. Uh, That's correct. Her position is far more radical than any in any country on the on the face of the earth, which is uh, right up to birth. Now, right up to birth, we know it's a baby, but I don't want to get into it. I'm just saying I know that she's not been asked about it. No Democrat's been asked about it. She voted for that. She voted for something that's, right. that's far more radical than Roe versus Wade or Casey or anything else. Let me ask you this. Are you able to get your message across? Are you getting the kind of donations you need from Mitch McConnell and the Republicans as opposed to I'm sure the dark money that's flowing into her campaign. Right. Well, we all know that, you know, she gets all that dark money. She spent over $23 million right wow. now. I am, I am now getting support from the uh, national level, uh, from Senator McConnell, uh, from the NRSC, uh, from many uh, senators. And I'm thankful for that. And that's, allowing us to be able to put ads together now that counter her lies, uh, you know, and so it, and it's becoming more and more effective. I was at a forum with her today with that. Let me, that, let me tell out. you, we got to take a break. We'll, we'll carry over the bottom of the hour. We'll let you finish. We're talking to Don Bolduck, the Republican candidate for the Senate, who has a shot at winning in New Hampshire. That would be wonderful. We'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know, America, when I look at the candidates who are running as Republicans for the Senate, governor, for the House seats, you have to be proud of at least one thing. They're coming from all walks of life. Don Bolduck, who is running in New Hampshire for the Senate, served most of his life in the military. And you look at the other folks who are running all throughout the country, Herschel Walker in Georgia. You look at Oz in in Pennsylvania. These are not your typical politicians. And that is a great thing. We have what the framers intended, citizen candidates for these offices. And Don Bolduck is a citizen candidate running for the United States Senate. And I remember another fellow who ran for the United States Senate a long time ago. He was an airline pilot in New Hampshire. 
where he lived in New Hampshire, and his name was Humphreys. General, you ever hear of him? I sure have. I met him when I was uh, a young man. I was a police officer in Laconia, New Hampshire, when I met him for the first time back when he, in his first year as a U.S. senator. Came out of nowhere. He was a fantastic senator, by the way. And I think you would be as well. I want to endorse you if that helps you. If it doesn't help, you can keep it quiet. Uh, Don Bolduck oh, no. running. Well, it's my pleasure. Sure. Well, you were telling a story, and I had to cut you off. Did you want to finish it? Yeah, I would like to finish it because it gets down to, I think, the essence of what <clears throat> is happening here in New Hampshire in this Senate race. And, and that is, you know, we had a forum today where it was supposed to be a debate, but it turned out to be a forum. She didn't want to do a debate. So, you know, we were both asked questions separately and gave our statements separately. And that's just, frankly, not the Granite State way. I've signed up for seven debates. She has not not agreed to any of them yet. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just finished a standing room only town hall at the New England uh, Tap House Grill here in, in Hooksit. I'm sitting in my car doing this interview with you. You know, quite frankly, I've done more in 36 hours on the campaign trail than she's done in 36 weeks. She is yeah. hiding from Granite State or she's not doing it the Granite State way. And she has and cannot defend even to the, her own Democrat Party, the actions that she's taken to hurt them as well. So, you know, you talk about our Constitution. You talk, you know, I know you do. And boy, I listen. And it's it's like. It's awesome, but she does not believe in our constitutional republic. She does not believe that she's answerable to the people, that this is a government that belongs to the people, of the people, by the people, for the people, self-governance. She has no accountability and responsibility to the people because she has been a career politician for 20 years. Mm-hmm. The, uh, is the governor of New Hampshire backing your campaign? Yes, he is. And uh, that's there a good is. thing, that, that the people yes, are pulling sir. together their support. You know, how about, you say you're getting money, but is she wildly outspending you? Are you pretty even with her? What? Well, I would tell you, sir, that the Republican Party at the national level is outspending the Democratic Party in the state. But, yes, she is wildly outspending me. You know, I mean, she's north of $23 million right it's amazing. now. Um, and, and, you know, it hasn't moved her, uh, you know, approval rating, it's actually gone down from two years ago. It was 51%. It's now 39%. Um, and, you know, it, it's just having zero effect because people don't believe her. And then they find out the truth because she doesn't come out and engage with anybody. Uh, and I do. And I just present the simple facts, you know, and quite frankly, we have Granite State problems. We have American problems. And this, these, these uh, party issues uh, of two parties that can't come together to fix our economy and fiscal responsibility and make this country safe, um, mm -hmm. you know, is indicative of, you know, career politics that just follows special interest lobbyists and very wealthy political elite who pay their mm -hmm. way into the system and get there because people like Maggie Hassan give them give them an entree, and they, she votes their way. Well, we wish you the best of luck. If people want to help, and I hope they do, this is a very, very important seat. 
Uh, I don't understand why we have these these leftists in New England who keep voting to drive up the cost of fuel uh, when it gets damn cold up there and people have no choice. They have to pay these bills in order to keep themselves warm. I have never understood this. If you want to support Don Bolduc, and I hope you do, it's Don Bolduc, B-O-L-D-U-C dot com. And his opponent, many of you haven't heard of her around the country. That's because she lays low, she pops up when she feels she has to, and she is a radical leftist who votes that way every single time. So we wish you all the best, sir. Thank you, and thank you for the endorsement. It's, it's really an honor to talk to you tonight and get your endorsement and my best to your listeners. And I'll thank them ahead of time for any support that comes my way. God bless you. And God bless you, General. We appreciate you. It's another great candidate. He's under the radar. But a senator is a senator, ladies and gentlemen. It matters bigly. Speaking of Georgia, I don't believe uh, Joe Scarborough even mentioned this today, but I don't know. I don't watch his show, but I didn't see it anywhere. Unemployment benefits have expired. This is from the Free Beacon. Rent is due today, and many Georgian families are at risk of eviction in the middle of a pandemic. That's what Senator Raphael Warner wrote in a tweet in August 2020, charging that by failing to act, his political opponents were clearly only concerned with serving their own interests. Well, that might be good political rhetoric, but Warnock's Ebenezer Baptist Church, where the senator serves as senior pastor, drawing a salary as well as a generous $7,417 monthly housing allowance. Hello? Hello? He gets a salary plus a monthly housing allowance of about $7,500, has moved to evict disadvantaged residents from an apartment building it owns, one of whom it tried to push out on account of money, merely $28.55 due in past rent. The church is the 99% owner of the Columbia Tower of MLK Village in downtown Atlanta, according to documents obtained by the Washington Free Beacon. These guys do a great job. Which describe the building as a home for the chronically homeless and those with mental disabilities. A dozen eviction lawsuits were filed against Columbia Tower residents over the course of the coronavirus pandemic. That is by, by Warnock and his church. The first one in February 2020, and most recently in September 2022. The total sum of past due rent cited in the lawsuits, total sum altogether, $4,900. A figure that could have been covered by one of Warnock's monthly housing stipends from the church. The lawsuits were filed by Ebenezer Baptist Church's business partner, Columbia Residential. The 1% owner of the building which manages its day-to-day operations. They do this so they have a front group in order to conceal the fact that the church is involved or that Warnock's involved. The revelations threaten to undermine Warlock's efforts to cast himself as an ally of struggling Georgians working to meet rent in the face of pandemic-errant challenges. Ebenezer is not hard up for cash. <coughs> Audited financial statements obtained by the Free Beacon show that Ebenezer closed out 2021 with cash and cash equivalents exceeding $1.2 million 
And it is unclear why Columbia Residential moved so aggressively to evict its tenants. So Columbia Residential is the front operation for the church. Columbia Tower residents who told the Free Beacon they were unaware that Ebenezer Baptist Church owns their building. See what I mean? Described living under the rule of landlords who don't hesitate to go to court to evict them and their neighbors, even if they're just a few days short on rent. Quote, they treat me like a piece of S. They're not compassionate at all, said Columbia Tower resident Philip White, a 69-year-old African-American who says he served in Vietnam and received an eviction notice on September 20 for failure to meet a $192 rent payment. It was Columbia Tower's second attempt to evict White who received his first eviction notice in September 2021 for $179 past due rent. That case was dropped after White paid up, plus an additional $325 in fees, he told the Free Beacon. The eight Columbia Tower residents who've been served dispossessory dispossessory notices since early 2020 owed on average $125 a month in rent. Five lawsuits sought rent less than one month late. Two resulted in court-ordered evictions carried out by the Fulton County Marshal's Department. Six other eviction lawsuits. It goes on and on. This jerk! Somebody get this article to Herschel Walker's campaign. So he has it for the debate. Raphael Warnock's war on the non-rich African-Americans in an apartment building that his rich church, which has $1.2 million in cash or the equivalent thereof, in the bank, is evicting. This guy gets a senior pastor's salary plus $7,417 a month housing allowance. And they're evicting people that owe $28.55. Ah, Raphael Warnock. Then there's his wife. Isn't it funny? I posted on the the various web platforms that we have that this would not be addressed by MSNBC. That this would not be addressed by Joe Scarborough, who only hates black Republicans and conservatives, but will not criticize Raphael Warnock. Neither will Al Sharpton. Neither will... Joy Reid, who is a complete bigot. Neither will Tiffany Cross, another bigot. Why doesn't she stand up for these people? This isn't about white supremacy. This isn't about white racism. It's about a jerk, Raphael Warnock, abusing his own people. Hmm. I thought you'd want to know, America, because if you're watching the Constipated News Network, or MSLSD, if you're reading the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost, if you're wasting your time with the nightly news programs or the Sunday shows, you wouldn't know a word about it. Nothing. Zippo. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. You know I'm in the state of Florida, so I want to encourage Floridians. Voting has started. Make sure you vote. For America's governor, Ron DeSantis, make sure you vote for Marco Rubio. Make sure you vote for the Republicans up and down the line. Because that's the kind of that's the kind of election this is. Brian Mast is my congressman. Make sure you vote for him. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
So you got a candidate running for mayor in uh, L.A. Might be a good mayor. He's elected. His name is Rick Caruso. And you have a very partisan moderator, and she's basically saying, you know, you got a white guy and this guy Caruso running against Karen Bass, who's black, and he interrupts and he says, I'm Italian. I'm considered Latin. Rick Caruso used to be Republican. Rick Caruso was a rhino. Rick Caruso's a billionaire. Rick Caruso sat on the board of the Reagan Library, not because of the Reagans, but because he's close to the CEO of the Washington Compost, Frank Ryan. So he switched parties. Now I guess he is a Latino, not an Italian. Is he a white Latino, Mr. Uh, Call Screener? You're Puerto Rican. You can help me with this. What is he exactly? Uh, We don't know. And Mr. Uh, Producer, you're Italian. What is he? Is he Italian? Latino? I mean, you start playing these games, you're really kind of creepy, if you ask me. Toronto being Italian. I don't understand. No, 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 you don't understand. I'm I'm Italian, so I'm kind of I'm I'm Latino. This is why do you have to sink to this level? Give me a couple of callers there, Mr. Call Screener. Any irregular Americans? Ross, I'm told you're normal, the great KSNT. KNST. How are you in Arizona? Very good, Uh-oh. sir. It's a great privilege to talk to you. Thank you. Cholera. <laughs> um, so I just, you were talking about the gasoline and OPEC earlier, and it reminded me of something, a question you asked many years ago. I think it was about 10 years ago. But you asked, Gee. do any of these politicians ever not get a fill-up on their gas tank? Mm-hmm. And it kind of struck me as an interesting question. And, um, you know, they didn't they don't they didn't care then about gas prices because it doesn't affect them. And I can tell you from personal experience, you know, just a regular working. middle It's class terrible. Guy. Yeah, it's absolutely. Disa- Listen, I want to thank you listening all these years, my man. God bless you. We salute our armed forces, police forces. We salute our. Fire departments, we salute emergency personnel. We salute all the men and women who are helping still in the hurricane-ravaged areas. We pray for our friends in Ukraine and Taiwan. 